You're saying, I believe Paul has his derived authority from the regal authority of Jesus Christ himself, the very God-man, the very God incarnate that we love and obey, and I believe Paul is his servant. So if Paul says, I got this from Jesus, that's good enough for me. Some people don't believe that, even professing Christians. And certainly the world doesn't believe this. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part three of Pastor Lance Quinn's three-part series, Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders. Pastor Lance's text is Paul's first letter to the beloved saints in Thessalonica, chapter four. Calling this series, Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders, tells us that Paul is speaking authoritatively in exhorting his readers to live lives of holiness. But upon what authority does the apostle speak? He anticipated that question, so in several of his writings, he's careful to say, as he does in chapter four, verse two, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. The very word apostle means someone who has personally spoken with Jesus and speaks to us upon our Savior's authority. Here's part three of Receiving Our Spiritual Marching Orders. I don't know how many times I've tried to change. And I don't know how many times I've failed. Please help me. Help is there, my friend. And it's contained, believe it or not, in that phrase, that as you received from us. You say, give me a little bit more help than that. That as you received from us, that's the help. Here it is. The regal authority of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, is now being passed down to the authoritative Paul. And Paul, under the design and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing down words in a letter to the Thessalonians that Paul believes will help them excel still more and more. You say, well, that's, that's clearly an inference from the text. Because did you get all of that out of that as you receive from us? How to walk and please God? That, that's what you're getting out of there? Let me explain something to you. Do you see that word received there? You received from us? This is most interesting. That is, that is actually, my friends, either a bona fide technical phrase or a semi-technical phrase, the word received, that means that we are receiving from Christ through Paul in this letter, God's way of telling us how to live the sexual ethic, how to love, how to understand the second coming, how to pray, how to esteem our leaders. This is a very interesting way of talking when Paul says, what you receive from us. And remember I told you, if you just sort of move yourself away from that verse to get into the guts of the passage, you err because remember, this receiving means something, right? Every word of God is pure. It means something in the text. And the very word received means something like this, to pass down, tradition, a good deposit, to deliver, to pass on. You say, you've got to show me that. Okay, look in your Bibles at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is so important, my friends. Don't tune me out. Just listen. I'm making a case here, and the case is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 says this, Now I commend you, 
This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. Now, I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the what? What does it say there? Traditions. Traditions. Even as I delivered them to you. Traditions. Oh, that's very interesting. That's a very interesting word, isn't it? Because, in a sense, we might have been brought up even as Christians to think that traditions might be a bad thing. And in many ways and in many contexts, even with religions, tradition is a bad thing. Remember Jesus actually said to the scribes and Pharisees, why do you subvert the Word of God for the sake of your traditions? But I'm telling you, Paul uses traditions or this word delivered as I delivered them to you or as what you received, talking about the one who's receiving the deliverance of the information. These are power-packed words that actually have become so technical in the New Testament that it's talking about the written revelation of Scripture. Traditions. The Word of God. This is what's been passed down. This is what's been passed on. This is the good deposit. This is the content of truth. This is instruction. See, all of that is freighted in this word, which is to say that Paul is a bona fide apostolic authority derived from the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You say, now, I agree with that. I agree Paul's a Bible writer. I believe Paul's authoritative. Well, guess what? The liberal and the moderate branch of Christianity does not think so. In fact, I remember even here at Bethany Bible Church having a small men's discussion where we were going through Andy Davis's book, Revitalize, How to Revitalize Your Local Church. And he gives the example of being the new pastor at his church, the one he's currently pastoring now for 30 years. And he says to this, this new people as the new pastor of the church, now I want you to know, and then he taught on a subject and somebody raised their hand and said, I don't give a flip what Paul thinks, just tell me what Jesus says. That's, that's in his book, Revitalized. That's, that's one of the examples he's giving where he says, okay, I'm going to have to back up about uh, six or eight steps here and try to let them know that Jesus and Paul are not in conflict with one another. Do you know that you've been so blessed in your teaching that when I say Paul says or when I say Jesus says, you're not thinking about automatic contradiction or maybe Jesus was right on this and Paul was wrong on this. You're saying, I believe Paul has his derived authority from the regal authority of Jesus Christ himself, the very God-man, the very God incarnate that we love and obey, and I believe Paul is his servant. So if Paul says, I got this from Jesus, that's good enough for me. Some people don't believe that, even professing Christians. And certainly the world doesn't believe this. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Chapter 11 says what it says. You know, this tradition that I'm delivering to you, which of course is Holy Scripture and perhaps even more pointedly the gospel, chapter 15 does talk about the gospel. Look at chapter 15, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you, what? Received. You see, that's that freighted word there, received, in which you stand. In other words, I am preaching to you so that you would receive what I myself have already received from the Lord Jesus. 
And here's another. Look at 2 Thessalonians right in our own First and Second Thessalonians that we're studying verse by verse. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this now, verse 15, mark it down, so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. Notice this now, he covers the bases, either by our spoken word or our letter. Oh my. Now that's, that's the authoritative Paul with such derived or delegated authority from Jesus, who says, I'm telling you, you had best stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And you know what 1 Thessalonians 4 is all about? Paul says, I told you these things beforehand, and now I'm writing them to you. Both bases are covered. My friends, when you read this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, that as you received from us how to walk and please God, don't quickly overlook what that reception really means. Apostle Paul is speaking under the derived delegated authority, the regal authority of Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. This is so very important. Be encouraged about this authority, my friends. Now we command you, chapter 3, verse 6 of 2 Thessalonians, now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, there it is, that regal authority of Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. And there you have the word tradition and the word received. See it there? No wonder theologians believe that this word, this group of words, this concept is becoming technical in the New Testament to talk about the verbal and written authority of the apostles of Jesus Christ. I'll even show it to you at the end of 1 Thessalonians. Look at chapter 5, verse 27. I put you under oath before the Lord, the regal authority of the Lord, to have this letter read to all the brothers. Oh, my friends, if I were to stand up here and tell you that I have written a letter to you, and I say, you must read my letter. This is Lance Quinn talking. This is Lance Quinn talking about something that isn't Scripture. This is Lance Quinn talking to you about something that I don't have the authority to adjure you to read, but I say to you, I put you under oath before the Lord to read my letter. And you'd say, I think we should dismiss him. I think he's off his rocker. I think he's done because he does not have that authority. And I tell you, you'd be right. So then how does Paul get off saying about himself and his letter, I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers? 
because he's under derived, delegated authority from the Lord Jesus Christ to say so and to write to them and say, you are under an oath, an obligatory oath to read this letter. Oh, my. And frankly, he even talks in the next epistle, 2 Thessalonians, about this is how I write. This, this is my marker. This will show you the authenticity, the, the genuineness that this is Paul's letter because, of course, there were spurious letters going all around, right? Uh, this is the letter from Thomas. Uh, this, is, this is the gospel of so-and-so. I urge you to read such a letter. That was happening in the first century. And the 7th and the 12th and the 18th and the 21st. There are people all the time. You go into Barnes & Noble and you go to the religious section, as I do about every other day, and you go in there and you say, I'm going to find out what Christians are reading. That's why I go in there. I find out what Christians are reading. Professing Christians, said to be Christians. And, and I look on the shelves and I'm seeing all these shelves, the Gnostic Gospels, uh, the mysterious Gospels that were left out of the Gospels. And letters from angels. And people scarf those books up like, like nobody's business, and they begin reading these things, and they're so confused. No wonder they're confused, because those are inauthentic, non-genuine books that aren't the Word of God. But try to tell them it isn't the Word of God, and try to show them why it isn't the Word of God. That's why I'm arming you today, before we get into this sexual ethic and beyond in these two chapters, that what we're talking about is, in fact, the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and the received authority of the apostles of Christ, which takes us into our third and final of the morning, and that is the recollected or recollected authority of the Christian Scriptures. The recollected authority of the Christian Scriptures. You say, why did you say recollected? Different nuance of that term. And recollected. Because I think it's actually both. It's actually both. You say, what do you mean? Well, think of it this way. Paul has already verbally spoken to the Thessalonians, right? He's already verbalized all of this teaching. That's why he keeps saying, what I told you beforehand, what you already know, what I've already taught you, that means that verbally, physically, he was standing in their presence and he was teaching them from Paul's mouth to their ears, right? And now he's writing a letter, which means that he's recollecting for them what he taught them and what they're now receiving in letter format. And they don't have to worry at all about Paul's memory. Why? Because his memory is taken up by the inspiring word of the very Holy Spirit to ensure that what Paul writes is exactly what he told them before, which means that what he told them verbally and what has now been given to them is the authoritative, regal authority of Jesus Christ in the purpose and plan of God through Paul's pen. Which means, not for these Thessalonians in the first century, but for you and me in the 21st century, because I didn't hear Paul tell me this verbally. And I wasn't even there when it was read in the fellowship. And I tell you, the biggest inference for us is this. Look at verse 2, the latter part of it. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. 
Some of your translations may have the word commands. You say, what are you talking about? For you know what instructions? Instructions. Commands. Paul told them by his mouth, and he's told them by his pen. And how do we know them? By this letter. By this letter. It's in this book. And this book is what we call the 66 books of the Bible, the canons of the Old and New Testament, the Holy Christian Scriptures. And we have them. We have them right here. Do you imagine what might be fraught with potential error and misunderstanding if for the next 20 centuries the Christian preachers would have to say something like this, and I'm recollecting what Paul taught and God has commanded me to tell you, and you must follow what I'm saying because that's what Paul is saying, because that's what Jesus is saying, and all you're hearing about that is my verbal recollection of such things. And for 20 centuries, don't you think that there would be a real possibility that some could say, you think he's gotten that right? Do you think he's telling us exactly what Paul said? Do you presume that that's precisely what Jesus taught Paul to tell this preacher, to tell that preacher, to tell me? Could there have been some error creeping in to the process of getting 20 centuries down now to us? Do you see how that would tend to kick against the authenticity, not only the clarity and perhaps even the authority of these words? God's left nothing to chance, my friends. Nothing to chance. From Jesus Christ to the Apostle Paul to the written Scriptures for the posterity of the church. These instructions, for you know what instructions we gave you, and then notice this, through the Lord Jesus. There's that authority again. And Paul is writing them. He's writing them. And in the providence of God, the writings of the Apostle Paul, to say nothing of the other books of the New Testament, to say nothing of the preservation and perpetuity of the Old Testament Scriptures, we have the authoritative Word of God in this book. We have it. No need to worry. No need to be concerned. Now it is ours to study such a book, to learn such a book. And it's instructions. Because these instructions, these commandments, they're not just for the Thessalonians. They're for us. They're for us. Bethany Bible Church. The same Scripture, the same letter that was read to that church in their hearing is the same letter that you and I are hearing. What a marvelous providential God we serve who leaves nothing to chance and who gives us the written revelation of the Apostle Paul who derived it from the authority, the regal authority of Jesus Christ Himself. Does that give you confidence in the Word of God? And does that give you confidence in the authority of the Word of God? So that, for instance, as we close, when Paul says, I want to tell you because some of you are troubled about what happens to Christians when they die. And that's a part of these two chapters. End of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5. And he says something like this, I want you now to understand 
that when a Christian dies, their soul goes to be with the Lord and their bodies go into the grave. And when Jesus Christ returns, there's going to be a joining of the saints of God so that the dead in Christ will rise first and then we'll always be with the Lord. And then he says this in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's an exhortation. That's a command. I'm telling you that your dead loved ones who are Christians will rise first in the resurrection. And I want you to do this. I've told you the truth, and now I'm telling you how to obey the truth. And here's, here's the obedience to the truth. Comfort one another in these words. Encourage one another in these words. And he says it again in chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You see how important this is? I got this from Jesus. I'm telling you as Paul, and now you and I have the recollection, the recollection of the very authority of the holy Christian scriptures whereby we can be encouraged about our dead loved ones, that they're going to be with the Lord. Their souls are going to be with the Lord immediately upon their death, and their bodies will rise first in the resurrection to glory. Well, that's a great encouragement to me. Is that a great encouragement to you? And it comes to us from the Holy Scriptures. I could not stand up here and say any such thing about anything by my own authority and try to get you to believe it, let alone live by it. But you and I have the regal authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the received authority of the apostles of Christ. And we have the recollection in the Holy Scriptures, the very Scriptures of God through Christ by way of Paul's pen. Isn't this glorious? There's not one thing our gracious God has forgotten. He's got it all wired, which means we best read the Scriptures. Because I'm not hearing Paul's words from his lips. I've never seen the Lord Jesus Christ by the physical eyes that God has created me to see through. I don't have those, but I have the written Scripture, and that's why I want to be front and center for every Lord's Day preaching of the Word of God so that I can know how to encourage one another. Amen and amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, shouldn't we be just like, as we've heard the message today, the Apostle Paul as he spoke to the Corinthians, and this is what he told them in chapter 3. He told the whole church these words, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Oh, how we need the Word of Christ through the pen of Paul and the other Bible writers so that we might know the Holy Scriptures and the authoritative force for which they encourage us to love and follow the instructions of God. May we do so for His glory, for the sake of Christ, and by the power of of the Holy Spirit's witness through the Scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. Have you ever thought about how Paul or David 
Isaiah, or Matthew can be speaking God's truth in Scripture? That may be a normal thought for Christians, and Paul has anticipated this in giving instructions to the Thessalonians on how to live the Christian life. Proof is in the doing, however, and living life as the writers of Scripture have prescribed is a life of God's blessing. Jesus is calling us to follow Him to peace and holiness. To find out more, visit our website, timelesstruthtoday.org. On the homepage, select Broadcasts. There you'll find our entire audio archive of this series and many other teachings of Pastor Lance. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Lance Quinn and a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. If you live in the area and don't have a home church, you're always invited to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks, California. Tomorrow, we start a new two-part series titled, Jesus the Christ is God. I hope you'll join us then. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.